Macarriar to Stokes, who's onside! Wagner! Here's Sims to put Stokes this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it! Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Saints FC podcast. My name is John Bailey and sat next to me on my sofa in our, you know, fancy recording studio, which, which you can now see on YouTube if, that, if that's how you like to get your podcast. Um, I have Mr. Tom Parker. How are you, Tom? I'm, I'm chipper. You're chipper. Excellent. Chipper. Um, so, I mean, the, I think probably most people would just be guessing that's because Saints won a match at the weekend. They underestimate me, though. Yeah. I mean, there's another reason for us to be chipper. Um, and we're celebrating a birthday, aren't we? It's our first birthday, John. It's the Saints FC podcast is one year old this episode. Hooray! Um, so, thank you. Uh, to everyone who's you know bothered downloading listening to us told their mates about us um showed people how to use a podcasting app on their mobile phones um it's it's really been working um we've had a grand total of 21,948 downloads so far phenomenal I mean, that's quite good. We're, we're two-thirds of the way to filling St. Mary's with yeah. the number of downloads. It's, you could say we're probably um, home fans on a cup tie, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Something like in, that. In the early <laughs> rounds, yeah. Yeah, early rounds, yeah. Um, and, you know, there's there's plenty of places you can download it from. Obviously, there's like iTunes. You can listen to it on Spotify. You can watch us now on YouTube. You can listen to us on TuneIn. There's Acast. There's you know hundreds of different podcasting apps yeah um and i'll tell you what so this is quite an interesting one since the start of this season so i've kind of excluded the earlier episodes because you know we were were still building up we're finding our feet there young but um this season we've averaged 1103 listens per show which is which it's, it's amazing yeah i'm quite impressed with that i'm shocked god imagine if everyone paid a pound per show we'd be rich yeah, well, actually, we know exactly how we'd have £21,948 <laughs> between us. Not quite, not, not quite enough to uh, quit the day job. And to be honest, I don't know. You spend you know, that people, red people wine. Get, people get this for free, don't they? <laughs> they do. Yeah. Um, and I, I suppose another great stat, we've had 10 Saints legends on the show. Which is which is the most exciting I mean, thing it's, for me. I'm a, when I kind of like started putting these facts and figures together, I was rather hoping we would have 11. And so we could put out the Saints FC podcast yeah. 11, but um, I need to get another another player on. Well, you, we've not had Fr- Franny on, but you can just pretend he's been sent off. So that's... that's what oh, yeah, got, yeah. We've so we're just, we're just playing down at 10 men. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that also includes Paul Jones, who I have interviewed, but I haven't put the podcast out yet. That will be next week's episode. So you can look forward to that next week. Um, but really... Um, we just want to say a big thank you to everyone for listening, um, sharing, interacting with us, sending your criticisms, your positive um, all suggestions, welcome. all of it. We, we absolutely love it. Um, so if you want to send us um, a birthday treat or message, you can find us on Twitter at Saints FC Podcast. You can email us saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. And to start things off... I'm going to go straight into our email correspondence. So I've had an email from Jason Dickey. But starts off, thanks for the podcast. I've been listening for the last few months after randomly finding you online. I live in the States and have no one to talk to about the Saints, so appreciate what you do. I've been there. That's a yeah. horrible uh, situation. Um, to be honest, I live in London and had no one to talk to about <laughs> the Saints. So, um, you know, it's kind of one of the reasons why we set up this podcast. Um he does admit he's pretty new to football. He's still learning a few bits and pieces. But he has quite a valid question, and it's a little bit long-winded, but I'm going to go through it because I think it's worth us thinking about it. So last year, Puel got sacked after going eighth because of a low point total and only a few goals scored across the season. In hindsight, had a pretty decent season and probably had something that could have been built upon. Um, and he's wondering if we will end up saying the same of Pellegrino. So... 
In terms of uh, Southampton's achievements this season, at the point when um, he sent this email to me, we were leading the division in number of draws. Um, we had the most chances created outside of the top six, most possession of any team outside of the top six, some of the highest passing percentage outside of the top six, etc., etc. Um, and he says, you know, with all of those draws, you're only one converted chance per game away from winning. So, in effect, you're not far off, is his argument. Yeah. So anyway, then he goes on to tactics and substitutions. He talks about uh, the fans booing when we brought on um, Yoshida in the game against uh, Watford. Um, And, you know, saying that, like, you know, should we at this point have gone ahead and tried to push to extend the lead or are we better off kind of defending our lead? And he says, you know, there's a lot of missed chances in this match as well. Talking about Saints versus Watford in the FA Cup. So isn't it prudent to acknowledge you don't have the finishing quality on the pitch and try and hunker down for the last onslaught? Conservative? Yes. Prudent? I don't know. What do you think? And he says, genuinely asking. I think Pellegrino's damned if he does and he's damned if he doesn't. Isn't it? Particularly the the sub you mentioned with Yoshida coming on for Bufal. We, if he does that and we win, because of the mood of is uh, the, the fans don't trust Pellegrino. Yeah. So if he does that and we win, which we did, and we won one nil, um, then it's it's like you know he's too conservative and what you know what's he doing? Like he doesn't have faith in us to score more goals. If we can see if if he doesn't do it. And we concede. Everyone's like, well, why didn't you take off one of the luxury players? You knew yeah. what they were going to do. It's madness. We had Yashida on the bench. You should have stuck him on. What's the point of having him there? He kind of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, doesn't he, really? Yeah. That, and, and I suppose, to be honest, that's kind of the situation that he's got himself into, really, Pellegrino. Because and no trust. Yeah. I mean, there there is very little trust between the fans and his decisions. I mean, I saw kind of a, a jokey comment with, uh, I think it was Jacob Steinberg wrote his article in The Guardian saying, you know, Saints uh, fans are continuing with their new tradition of booing the uh, manager's substitutions in the FA Cup. Um, I, I mean, I, I suppose, I mean, that frustration comes from the fact, and this will be something that we will talk about later on the podcast, you know, that the game at home against Brighton, you know, starting against a side that are not in good form, that are not good quality, and starting with one up front, it's not a way that we've been used to watching Saints for the last four seasons. So although Garth Crooks thinks we've been flirting with relegation for the <laughs> Thanks, last four Garth. seasons... Um, We'll get onto that as well. Come later. to you, Garth. Um, you know, we've actually finished uh, eighth, sixth, seventh, and eighth in the last four seasons. And we've done that basically with a lot of attacking football, a lot of attacking intent. And we've seen sides that, that go out looking fired up. I mean, particularly when Pochettino was manager, you have the pressing style. And the pressing style is great for a fan to watch. Yeah, because it's so much fun. Yeah, it's just commitment. You know, people are running around. It's all about fitness. Kuman kind of was slightly more pragmatic, but took on, you know, the, the pressing style that Pochettino and, had, had established. Added a more counter-attack to it with pace. Yeah. Mane, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess the thing is, is like you've got to say for Pellegrino or Pestagrino, we're going to get on to pronunciation later as well. Um he, I, I mean, you can argue that he got it right against Watford because we got through the tie and ultimately that's what's important. Um, the people who are at the, the game watching the match will tell you um, that, you know, once he made that substitution, Saints really kind of like lost their their kind of impetus in the game. They, they were yeah. on the front foot before then. They did look like they were pushing for the second goal. I was, I was listening to it on Saints player and they, you know, the Dave Merrington commentary was that we kind of, at that point, 25 minutes to go, we kind of ceded control of the game completely. Yeah. And I, I, I suppose, um, you know, really that's where the frustrations come from. So, yeah, you know, Jason, I, I think, you know, you, you've got a good point. Um, I do think Pellegrino is going to find it difficult to defend whatever he does at, at this point because, you know, we've had such a dire first half of the season that people just don't trust him as manager to, to make the decision. So whether he's being prudent and making a defensive substitution or whether he's being, you know, positive and making an attacking substitution and going for the win, you know, like he did against Tottenham when we were 1-1 heading yep. into the end, um, then... You know, he's he's kind of brought it upon himself in the long run. I yeah, think. and I think there's a there's a, some really obvious points about that in terms of players he completely throws out 
that actually have transpired to be some of our most important players this season. Yeah, I mean, starting the season without Charlie Austin, the couldn't starting get near 11. The starting 11. Yeah. Uh, Pierre Emil Hoiberg couldn't even get on the bench. Yeah. Um, and all right, Charlie Austin has been injured, but when he came back in the team, like God knows where we'd be without those goals. Yeah. And Pierre Emil Hoiberg has probably been our most effective player consistently over the last two or three months. Yeah. And then also, I mean, we had another one this weekend with Mario Lamina coming back into the side and he looked fantastic. It's amazing. I mean, he, he did look terrible on Boxing Day, but, um, yeah, that's quite a long time to have a player out when he clearly has got buckets of ability. Um, so anyway, well, thank you very much, Jason, for your um, email. Uh, another email here. Daniel Crouch emailed in to suggest a nickname uh, for Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. He said Bergy, B-E-R-G-Y. Okay, why? Yeah, well, that's what I thought. So I emailed him back and said, you know, why why Bergy? And then he just responded with, scrap that. He'd had a couple of beers when he suggested it. Well, so, kind of, I mean, I'm still intrigued, Daniel. Yeah. So if you're listening, uh, do let us know where Bergy came from. Um, I, I do quite like to get onto uh, Twitter comments and see what people have said about the various episodes, pick up on the kind of like things that we go on. But something happened on my Twitter feed yesterday, um, which meant that I literally wasn't able to scroll back. There was a Twitter um, storm. You know, beyond like two days in my <laughs> Twitter notifications because the whole thing was taken up with Bobble Hat Gate. I mean, uh, I think there's been a lot of important issues this season. I think Bobble Hat Gate is up there for me. So for, for, for those of you that are not on the Saints FC um, hashtag on Twitter, basically there's some guys who make some, you know, quite cool bobble hats. You've got one. with I've, with I've got one and I bought one for my uncle. Yeah. So I purchased two. Um, and they, uh, you know, they, they copied us into a tweet promoting their hats. And then uh, one of our listeners, a chap called St. Benjamin said, oh, I really like the hats. You know, they're gorgeous. Um, but perhaps they're a tad overpriced in my opinion. And then it just broke loose. It, it was went, about 150 went, messages following this. It went feral. It, it did. Anyway, I think we need to move on from Bobble Hatgate. Um, so, I mean, thank you for those of you who have been uh, Twittering in. Keep them coming. We're at Saints FC Podcast. Uh, and we generally can be found on the Saints FC uh, hashtag. Um, another thing that did come up though was the pronunciation of Tadic. Dushan. Or Tadic. Tadic. Um, Never going to get this right. Yeah, so basically, um, Northern Ireland Saints ran a poll. Should it be pronounced Tadic or Tadic? Um, Tadic preferred by Tom, Tadic preferred by me. And uh, I've, uh, Tom, I'm afraid to say that Tadic won. It's quite clear. It's fine, I'm graceful. Um, but then someone pointed out that neither of us get his first name right. And it should be Dushan and not Dusan. So we're both wrong on that Either one. Either way, we're wrong yeah. in some way. And then we went and bought a player called uh, Guido Carrillo. Why can't we just buy people called Smith? <laughs> so Guido Carrillo, should it be Carrillo? Uh, well, perhaps not because it's, you know, Spanish surname. Maybe it should be Carrillo, if you remember from your GCC Spanish lessons. He's six foot four, he's about 18 stone. He yeah. can be called whatever he likes as far as um, I'm concerned. So anyway, so then we thought it might be Carrillo or Carrillo. Um, and then I found out that the Argentines pronounce a double L with a ch or a ch sound, which actually makes him Carricho. Carricho. And um, that's, 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 that's what Adam Blackford, Blackmore went for on the commentary. Um, and so, you know, I was watching back the highlights. So anyway, um, but then, of course, if that's true, Pellegrino is also Argentine, which means he should be Pesciagrino. Anyway, look, just I'm sorry, guys. We're, we're going to pronounce the occasional word <laughs> and name wrong. So you're just going to have to live with it. Um, and oh another birthday um not just saints of Sue podcast but robbie saints in france who always gets yeah, his little retweet birthday happy birthday today. to you and, uh, and i think um there's a chap called terry as well he wrote in last week is his birthday as well and it's cristiano ronaldo's birthday Ronaldo's. So, yeah. and yes and, and, and yesterday was neymar's birthday so i mean wow. i think we're in good company here we in are. terms of football right let's get on <laughs> to the football now saints 1-0 versus watford we're through to the fifth round of the fa cup i'm delighted Yes. Yeah, and uh, talking about birthdays, it was Jack Stevens's twenty fourth birthday, and he did a goal, and he did a goal, did it with his uh, foot, 
I was expecting it to perhaps to be a header. Um, you know, a little bit, what was it? It was a shot and a rebound off the keeper. Then he poked it in. Um, got to be in it to win it. Yeah, you've got to be in it to win it. So, you know, that was the start of Jack Stevens's career. We were wondering, is he going to be a one-goal wonder like Klaus Lundetfarm? Is he going to, you know, be, you know, I guess we'll find out later in this episode. Who knows? Um, Hoiberg hit the post with a, what can only be described as a thunder bastard of a shot. Those, one of those is going to go in soon. Oh, I mean, he is rocketing. That, that, I mean, if that had gone in, that would have been an absolute beauty. Inspiration it? for Victor Wanyama. Um, exactly. Shane Long, I thought, had a very good game. Very Shane Long game. Yeah, very Shane Long game. Did everything apart from the goal. Yeah, very very Shane Long. Yeah. Um, we just about saw out the game, although we you know we talked about us you know, taking the kind of, we, we taking the pressure off Watford and, the, and maybe that substitution to bring on Yoshida to shore things up didn't necessarily help us because, you know, per- perhaps we could have gotten 2-0 up and had a much more relaxed end to the game. Um, but in the end, we're through to the fifth round, so I don't think we can complain. That's all complain. that matters. All that matters. And with, um, a, with a juicy sixth round, uh, sorry, fifth round tie. Yeah. Um, so interestingly, the... Last time that West Bromwich Albion and Saints met in the fifth round of the FA Cup was in 1976. What what happened then, John? Well, um, Southampton made it all the way through uh, to the final. Um, And then the other one... I mean, obviously, do you, do you know what happened in the final? Perhaps I know can... that uh, this is a true story. My dad took my mum, who was dating at the time, and not my uncle. And my uncle's never forgiven him. Really? Yeah, never forgiven him. Um, and, and there was another one as well. I think back in history, maybe in the 1950s or something. I, I have a feeling like I, I want to go for 1958 here. Um, and that year, uh, West Brom won the FA Cup. So the last two times West Brom and the Saints have met in the fifth round of the FA Cup, the winners of that match have gone on to win the cup itself. That's amazing. Is it? Just, are you the first person to work that out? No. Oh. <laughs> Still, though, if you say it authoritatively, people will believe you. Yeah, so I've been doing some research. <laughs> uh, we can edit out that uh, admission of yeah. <laughs> error. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's... So do, do you think that trend Spooky. is going to going to carry on? Are West well, Brom or Saints going to win the FA Cup this season? Uh, stranger things have happened. I'm trying to think. Uh, Leicester won the entire league so who knows yeah. who knows? I mean you never know with Saints um, crazy things I mean Wigan won the FA Cup and got relegated Wigan won the FA Cup Portsmouth unfortunately won it um, the FA Cup has in the last few years thrown up a few weird things yeah um, so who knows so here's a question Tom I, I think I've asked you this one before and I want to ask it to our listeners I, I'm interested so do tweet us at Saints FC Podcast or email in Saints FC Podcast at gmail.com would you rather Saints finished 17th in the league and didn't win the FA Cup. Let's say just go out to West Brom in the next game. Or that Saints finished 18th in the league and won the FA Cup. Unequivocally, would rather win the FA Cup. Yeah. A hundred. There's not even a, a sliver of doubt because we could get relegated. Uh, I'm very confident that we would come swiftly back up um with the parachute money is is the quality of the young players we have i also think we're a team that would be uniquely good uh, and i think it's something i brought up before if we were to be relegated because i think we've got this interesting mix of players that like shane long mm. um that might not get another premier league contract yeah um i think we'd obviously lose some of the real talent but they've got other players that would probably stay a lot of that team might actually stay yeah might be a bit naive obviously we'd lose like bertrand's and your cedrics but you know, you could Matt Target would be a perfectly good championship yeah. left back. There's Sam McQueen. We've got talent in that squad, and I think that yeah, we'd lose some players, but I think we'd come straight so, back up. I mean, it's an easy decision for you. I think it's an easy decision for me. I'd love to see us win the FA Cup. I, I've seen us get relegated before. We got relegated twice. It was pretty awful, but we came back and getting promoted twice was pretty amazing. Yeah, and and the great thing is, if we get relegated, we will come back up, and that means that not only that we've won the FA Cup, but we've also probably won the championship yeah well, well there we go so double um, bubble so easy for that the reason why i ask is I, I saw someone ran a poll on twitter and the majority of people chose um 17th why i don't understand why whereas i mean this season if we finish 17th if anyone can name any part of it apart from Bufau's goal that's actually been enjoyable 
then then please uh, yeah. tweet us or tell me. But I've not really enjoyed anything this season. And the FA Cup is our only sliver. The yeah. only thing we're going to enjoy this season is not getting relegated. Yeah. Uh, whereas the FA Cup gives us a sliver of something bigger. Something more exciting. I say go big. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I take the FA Cup all day long, no, no question for me. But um, if you're someone who would rather us finish 17th, do enlighten us. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know because I, I, yeah, I mean, everyone views football in a different way. I'm yeah. just fascinated by it. Um, Saints won, Brighton won. This was, you know, Wednesday under the lights at St. Mary's, fired up atmosphere. A lot of pressure. Oh, it was a lot of pressure. John, you were there. Um, I was there. Uh, I mean, I I don't think I ever necessarily feel particularly confident when I head down to St. Mary's these days. Um, but my God, any sort of like glimmer of confidence or hope that I had was kind of wiped out within 30 seconds when Brighton kind of came storming forward. We left, I think it was Is- Isquiero or Isquiedo. Yeah, the Colombian dude. Yeah, um, we left him unmarked in the middle of the box. And it, I mean, he absolutely skied it. Yeah. But just from that moment, it was just like, oh, God, you know, this is, this is not going to be good. And um, it just got worse and worse and worse from, from you, there on in. You've got to give it to Saints because they've, like Glenn Murray, when, when the sort of teams came up and you looked at Brighton and you went, oh, Brighton are pinning all their goal hopes on Glenn Murray. You kind of did that little chuckle and you're like, that's so cute. Uh, well mm. done, Brighton. He'll, he'll see you with three goals at the end of the season. He's comfortably outscoring I think all of our strikers yeah. and we make him look like a world-class player. I know. Um, I say, I mean, he did get his goal against saints again, his again, second goal second, against yeah. saints. Um, uh, this time with Wesley Hoot with, you know, clumsy trailing foot in the box. Oh, I mean, when I watched it live, I was in the Northern men. So I was, I was it was kind of happened in front of us. Um, I didn't, think it was going to be a penalty at first but having seen the the highlights come back watch the highlights on saints player it, i mean it was just clumsy it was a penalty yeah he did hoyt like a kipper and the annoying thing was that it was a challenge that hoyt didn't need to make no. we were actually really well marshaled in front of uh solid march who isn't a player renowned for his goal scoring yeah. um so we had plenty of players there but for a player that is supposed to be as intelligent as hoyt and as experienced as he he just fell for it hook line and sinker yeah and then, so you think, right, now we're in big trouble. And I think you could really tell it with the atmosphere. I think the players felt the weight of responsibility on them. The fans were just kind of thinking, oh, yeah, this is it. We're, we're going to go down this season, aren't we? And I think I probably texted you something along those lines at this yeah, moment. Yeah, it felt pretty, I was uh, watching it at home and it felt pretty grim. Yeah. Um, and I, I just thought it was a really truly terrible first half performance from from the Saints say so, I mean we we had more of the ball than Brighton we were kind of in control of the game but without ever really looking properly threatening um, yeah it's got all sorts of weird like half shots and yeah. stuff that was a bit I mean I I wrote down a weird. list of the chances we had we had a Bertrand had a half chance where he shot kind of from the edge of the box yeah but even that was weird it was like it was almost like they run out of ideas, so people were just yeah. like, give the ball to me, I'm just going to whack it. Yeah. Um, James Ward-Prowse had a cross into Shane Long that was cut out just before it reached Shane Long. Yeah. Um, it was a good cross there, otherwise. Um, Hoiberg hit the ball, hit the bar from his arse. Yeah. That was that was about as good as it got in the first half, uh, with the keeper clearing the ball, bounces off Hoiberg's arse, and then struck the crossbar. They all count. Um, and we didn't get to the second ball quickly enough there. Nope. Um, and, you know, we had a clever corner with James Ward-Prowse laying it off to Bertrand at the edge of the box. But again, you know, you've got Bertrand shooting from the edge of the box. It's not, you know, not really anything more than a half chance. It, and and this really is kind of one of the problems that Saints have. And it was evident in this first um, half of this game is that we, we do have a lot of possession. We do, you know, pass the ball well, as um, Jason pointed out in his email earlier. But we don't create... The, chan- the kind of chances that look like they're going to be scored. We don't... I was trying to think the other day when you saw... You don't see like Saints players get one-on-one, do you, very often? No, it doesn't, it doesn't it happen too often. It doesn't happen though. very often. Like, I don't know. Like, we play a weird game where... Well, I think we'll change our game now that Carriccio or Carrillo is, Carisho. is in. But it was a really dire performance. Mm. And it, it looked kind of like the last rights, didn't yeah. it, really, for... 
Let's and, go Pellegrino. And I think I think Pellegrino must have been feeling that because at halftime he made two substitutions, um, bringing Romeo and Tadic off for Grigio and Buffal on. Which is without doubt an attacking substitution. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And and we had two strikers on at this point. Yeah, I, who know, I don't know whether he really believes in playing that as a system or he probably just thinks God I'm going to get murdered if I go out there so I'm just going to throw some people on yeah I because I, it doesn't seem to really it doesn't seem the players know no. how to play that system either no, no. I, don't, I, I don't think um, he does believe in two up front and the funny thing with, with, with this is I felt like in the first half we were putting the ball in the box but not really having you know with Shane Long on the well, end it was of flying it. in it was and, so weird yeah and then in the second half as soon as we've got our new guy in who's you know, exceptional at finding the net with his head from, you know, the highlight reels on YouTube anyway. Um, it's massive. And yeah, I mean, it, yeah. We, we, we seem to stop doing that. It I was, mean, Stevens had another headed chance. Yeah. Which, you know, he should have scored. High and wide. Yeah, should have scored. Um, but then he did make up for it with that sexy back heel finish. It, it was very weird because in the first half, we were actually quite adept at getting the ball down the wings yeah. and fizzed in some really good balls. But obviously, Shane Long is not in the best of form. Shane Long is good in the air. We all know that. But he was up, is it Dunk? And I can't remember the other Brighton set, but they are monsters. Mm. And it was just such a weird thing. And you're absolutely right. As soon as we've got our big guy on, yeah. we kind of just forgot to do that and tried to make it all intricate. And really, maybe we just needed to rough them up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very strange. I mean, can can we have a moment though for Jack Stevens's back heel? I mean, it, it came pretty, really came out of nowhere. Pretty sexy football. I, I kind of thought it might have just been a lucky deflection, um, and then they actually played the replay up on the oh, big screen. Really and it was it was it was sexy, a sexy intentional back heel. We are, as we've said many times this podcast, massive fans of Jack Stevens. Yeah, uh, except his defensive heading yeah, ability I mean, but let's just gloss over that for a while <laughs> yeah um, so I, th- I think the biggest problem for us in Saints versus Brighton um, which I've kind of highlighted before is our, our kind of like lack of drive to get to the second ball when the ball spills um, when the goalkeeper you know kind of parries the ball when a defender doesn't quite get hold of it I mean, so often, I mean, when you're playing the high pressing game, you get the, you win those second balls all the time. Anyone makes a mistake and you're on it in a yeah. flash. And you look at Liverpool, people, Liverpool brilliant at it. Yeah, well, exactly. And it's because Klopp plays you know, very similar to how Pochettino used to play at Southampton. You're a very high pressing, intense uh, method of play. And we just don't do that. And, and that, it really upsets me because kind of, you know, that, that shows the kind of will in a way and there's nothing worse than paying your hard-earned cash to watch players who get you know paid more in a week than you do in you know a year or uh, god knows how many years yeah um and uh, yeah it's just i we saw lamina come back and we'll come to the west brom game but i just don't understand i would love to see lamina romeo start every single game because i think they are terrifying and if we're going to play with um attacking players like Buffal, like Tadic, mm. who don't really trap back, then I think surely we can afford to have two players sit deep. Also, Lamina is a destroyer at defence, but also he's probably seemingly, apart from Buffal, easily our most skilled player at going round people. Yeah. He's got amazing close ball control. Yeah, and has, so just, I just think, just play them both. And, I mean, you know, I get very excited about the game I was at earlier this season, the Crystal Palace game, where you saw Lamina and he just, monstered them he, he was he was fantastic wasn't he um right say so, i mean let's 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 pick up at this point say so, we've beaten watford in the fa cup yep drawn at home against brighton i think everybody agrees that this is not good enough and i think at this point pellegrino has one game to save his saints fc managerial career but you know. probably would have said that in earlier games this season, wouldn't you? There's like, probably what, against Palace. Yeah, against Palace, you probably would have mm. said that's it for him. I don't think they've got any. We've said it before. I don't think they've got any intention of of getting rid of him. Um, I did a very angry tweet uh, during the game, which I believe turned the game round on, yeah. on Saturday. Uh, but you know, I don't think they've got any intention of getting rid of him. Yeah, um, but I mean, it, I just think it would have been hard. It would have been hard to keep him had we not won on Saturday against West Brom. Don't you think? Well, you'd have to ask the question, what would it take? Yeah. I mean, I know what it would take to get fired in my job, and you probably know what it would take to get fired in yours, 
what would it take for him to go? Um, yeah, well, I, I think it'll probably take us getting relegated at the end of the season. Yeah. I, I think that's that's going to be it. Fingers crossed they don't come to that. Yeah. Right, so West Bromwich Albion versus Saints. Really, really important game. Doesn't get bigger than this. Bottom of the table versus what? Second bottom, third from bottom, third from were bottom, we on Saturday at the time? And... You know, we're going to go into this fired up, really keep our concentration levels up. Because you know, we really know they're going to be fired up because yeah. of Sir Regis. So from the off, we're going to be on it. Yeah. And we know they're good at set of pieces. So yeah. we're going to be on those. Yeah, we're going to be really, really careful. There's no way we're not going to do that. Um, we're going to get Jack Stevens marking Higazi. The big danger man. And Because Chris Brunt's set of pieces are amazing. We know that. We knew that. So that's what we're going to make sure we mark it. Yeah. those. Say, so, I mean, this this is the thing. Say, so, Hagazi basically gives Jack Stevens a little bit of a shove, runs around him, gets a free header, and bang, we're one nil down. Now, I wonder. I mean, a lot of managers, a lot of the old school managers, will maybe say that man marking is something that you do. But the the kind of more modern manager, the the slightly more progressive manager seems to prefer zonal marking. And having watched Jack Stevens try to man mark quite a few big men this season and quite often get bullies. I mean, Harry Kane was prime example. Yeah, he murdered him, yeah. Um, you know, Hagazi again, he, he's not up to the job of man marking when it comes to defending crosses and corners. I mean, West Brom are a big, t- they always have been. Always have been a team for very big men. Uh, I remember a game at St. Mary's where they beat us 3 0 and they had Lukaku and Jakob and all these players were giants. Um, but I think teams are probably targeting Stevens now. You can imagine that they, you know, they're almost, if you've got three or four big lads, St- Stevens is going to mark one of them. Mm. So whoever Stevens is picking up, put the ball in there because they know he, we love Jack Stevens. He's a yeah. great footballer and fair play to him for sticking at Saints till the age of 23. For even getting a sniff, um, you know, a lot of people could learn from that. But he, he is a bit weak when it comes to defensive headers, and yeah. he does seem to get targeted. And and you, like you say, the the Harry Kane goal, he got bullied out of that. Yeah, and, and bullied by Hagazi. But I, I do wonder if it would it be. I mean, if Saints were zonal marking, where you don't, you, you kind of like the the theory between man marking is you have your man, you make sure your man doesn't get the ball. Zonal marking, you have your patch of ground in the area and if the ball comes into that patch you're going to head it away you're going to attack the ball and and in effect you don't really have to worry about the players so much um now obviously anytime something goes wrong with zonal marking all of the kind of like traditional football men you know point out oh well if someone was man marking it you know it wouldn't have happened but i keep on seeing this um you know this this man marking stuff just just not working for Saints. So why aren't yeah. we trying something a bit more modern? And you would have thought, you know, Pellegrino having been a defender of the school of Benitez, um, yeah, you know, having school, having worked at Argentina, you know Barcelona. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'd have thought he'd have been a, been a bit more modern and and have zonal marking. And but maybe maybe we're overthinking it. Maybe some players just aren't very good at certain things. Jack Stevens brings an awful lot to the table. Mm. Maybe his weaknesses which is a very unfortunate one for a centre-back is that he's not very good in the air but it makes you, you wonder what yeah we do have some very big players yeah on that pitch uh Lamina Romeo uh Hoyt um you do like Carrillo was playing that game yeah. you do wonder like who was picking up why who wasn't picking up the really why did we have our weak, weakest guy on their really big centre-back in the same way that why did we have against Spurs our weakest defensive header of the ball probably apart from mm. Cedric on their Very number good. one yeah. goal threat. Anyway, so that's when me and you both took to Twitter independently from each other. Um, rage. Yeah, I mean, mine said something along the lines of I've got a rage building up on, inside of me. Nobody in the team, board or manager seems to realise and, and wake up Saints and block cap. I mean, I went well, did block you get capitals. full blocks? Yeah, I did. Jesus Christ. Um, and... Look what you've done to him. Full I mean, blocks. <laughs> I was fuming at this point and it really didn't look like we were going to get anything from the game. We, we it was started terrible. so slowly again. But the number of passes that weren't going right. There was yeah. one horrible bit where I think, I can't remember it was, someone in the area tried to pass to someone like, to Stevens at the back and it just went out for a corner or something like that. And you could just see the players looking at each other. It's like they'd never seen a football before and they'd all been like teleported to that point and had no idea what they were doing there. Um, so anyway, I'm going to take total credit for this. I don't know what happened with my tweet, but suddenly all the Saints players woke up 
Um, and, you know, about 10 minutes later, bang, we were level and then bang, we were in the lead. Um, and, you know, the, again, I think I'm going to use the term again. It was a Lamina Thunder bastard, wasn't it? He is a, he, I love him. He's so good. I mean, that finish was absolutely great. Laid off the ball, took what one touch, lined it up, just rocketed. I love the way it was still rising yeah. as well. Like it, it, it was kept going, and and he could have hit that from about two or three yards behind him, and it's it would have been even better because it would have found the top corner. And 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 also, I mean, the thing is, he hit it so cleanly, the ball wasn't even spinning in the air. Yeah. It's just like frozen in time as it as it, and it moves. And it had this goal. great like Matrix style bit. Where it went through about six different forwards and yeah. defenders where everyone kind of looked and it just found the space oh it was it was a beauty the, the, those of you watching on youtube will be able to see two big grins on mine and tom's face as we're, as we're talking about this um oh what a fantastic goal and then we followed it up with another really great goal and this is where you can maybe say jack stevens is quite good at headering yeah but he's he obviously players have to stand up don't they and take responsibility yeah. and, and his comments after the game are very good where he's like i knew i'd let the team down uh but also, uh, I don't know if we're going to come on to, to James Ward-Prowse, but he is a man transformed. He's kind of done what he did under Puel, which is sort of two-thirds of the way through the season, kind of steps up a whole new level. Um, and yeah, what what a great corner. I mean, I really, he kind of, it's like they, when you watch the, the pundits, they say he's used the pace on the ball. Yeah. And he's just kind of redirected the pace on the ball, and I, it felt like one of those. It's a great corner from I, JWP. Yeah, I mean, a great corner from James Ward-Prowse. The header was fantastic. It was kind of like a lobbed into the you know top corner, rear, far post, and uh, he got away from the man who got away from him in yeah. the first one. So it's like he, a romantic he his, novel. His revenge <laughs> on uh, Higazi there. Um, you know. So anyway, he. he they gave. They, they basically cancelled each other out, Higazi and Stevens. But you know, they both brought a goal to the to the game, so it made it much more exciting. Um, you know, we then had a, the Tadic one on one where the ball was kind of looped um, forward. This, I think, oh, we're in the second half now. Ball was looped forward. Yeah. Tadic just tried to kind of dink it over Foster, but didn't quite work out. I mean, didn't quite get the purchase. Yeah, I mean, that was a Matt Letizio would have loved that sort of chance when he loves the little dink over the head. Um, we had Wesley Hoot's run. He's he kind of cavaliering through. Yeah, I mean, coming through, gets brought down. Uh, we win the free kick. Sofian Buffel looks like he's really keen to take it. I like it because he kind of does this. And again, this works for people watching us. He kind of like walks over and goes, like, I'll have this knowing like, like a kid going, yeah. Like, knowing that he's knowing they're like, oh, no, a kid going, I'll drive. Like he's not going to be allowed to drive that journey, but like he's like, I'll do it, hoping that no one will notice. Yeah. And and he kind of does it. And then, but what was brilliant? It, there's a number of brilliant things, and we're going to come to it. But the, a great bit as well is the reaction of the other players because you see Lamina, and I think it's Romeo. Just I think one of them just knocks the ball out yeah, of his I hands. Think, I think Wesley Hoot. <laughs> I think it was Wesley Hoot, it was Lamina, Hoot? Um, both bold, and Jack Stevens then went and had a word with yeah, and just says afterwards. like. Like if it just, I think one of them knocks the ball out of his hands, and he goes yeah. like, "Oh." But I mean, it was it, it, it was it was kind of playground stuff, but I mean, it was great to see that like the Saints players were taking responsibility, and actually, you know, this is where you can argue that they are still playing for Pellegrino. Clearly, Pellegrino has given very clear instructions. James Will Prowse is the man that takes the free kicks, yeah. and you had three or four players all sticking up for James Will Prowse, making sure that he got the ball to take that free kick. Because there is a thing, isn't there, about like defenders taking penalties? And, uh, mm. I can't. Remember, one of these clubs does this where, and you look at it and you're like, why are they? You know, like the best players who just not the biggest star yeah. name. Not the most talented, but the player who's best at doing that thing should do that thing. Yeah. And JWP is best at free kicks. So, um, I mean, we just got very rudely cut off there by the batteries on, on my recorder. Outrageous. Yeah. Um, Can't get the staff nowadays. So anyway, uh, just to make sure that we get everything. James Ward-Prowse, placed the ball down. It's a good position. Yeah. He's looked at the goal and he's hit it, you know, really hard, really low. Into the bottom corner, quite close to Foster. Um, but, you know, Foster st already started going the other way and, and didn't get there. And, and a you've good got a theory on this, haven't you? I have, yeah. It's a little... Uh, James Ward-Prowse free kick specialist doesn't actually score many free kicks. Um, right into the podcast if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's only scored one before, which is uh, against West Brom at St Mary's. I was there, I remember it well. Um, he doesn't score many. Uh, when he does shoot, he kind of seems to go high. He, he tries to get it 
up and over, up like and dip, over, over yeah. and over the wall, so it dips. Um, that's kind of what he does. And obviously, we know that people like Ben Foster is going to have watched all the tapes and know what he's going to do. So I think that by hitting it low and hard to the right, he kind of takes Foster completely by surprise. Yeah, I mean, and it kind of looked a bit like Foster was taken by surprise because he'd already started moving to his right, and then bam, you know, really low, really it. hard. Ah, oh, it, was, it was lovely. It was a beauty. Yes. Yes, More yes, of those, please, James. Three one up. And totally in un- uncharted territory for the Saints, aren't we? Three one up in a game. When was the last time it happened against Everton? Everton, yeah. Um, um, was that the last time we won a game in the Premier League? It was, yeah. Terrifyingly, it's a week. I know how long ago that was. It was a week after I got engaged. It feels like bloody ages ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've what now? Like, got three kids. Have been married. Three kids, for, like, two grandkids, years, like and that, yeah. uh, a divorce on the belt. So thanks <laughs> for being that. So, I mean, that that feels absolutely great. And, you know, we really seem like we're moving in the right direction at this point. Um, Oh, as well, I think we should, you know, despite Buffal kind of having his little hissy fit before James Ward-Prowse took the free kick, he was the first to go and celebrate with him. He was. And I think he probably probably thinks to himself, thank God I didn't take that. You know, like you kind of think, like, thank God that that, that panned out the way it did, because Buffal is a bit of a show pony, but he doesn't want to get relegated. He wants to stay up. He wants the team to win. Yeah. Um, and it was nice. They they showed genuine togetherness. I yeah. Think. And actually, for for all the goals that the players celebrated together, they just looked so delighted. Um, you know, when Lamina scored his goal, you know, the players were coming up to him to try and celebrate him. And he was saying, you know, concentrate. Yeah, We've got to, focus. You know, let's focus. Let's try and you know, because we focused. do that, we score and we go. I mean, and how many points have we given away from uh, winning positions this year? I don't even want to think about it. Yeah, um, let's no, let's not get onto that. I think we've mentioned that too many times this year. Yeah, let's be um, focused and positive. Let's go a little bit further through the game. I mean, Carino Carisho had a chance with Tadic cross. He was uh, well. There was the tr- cross well, from Bertrand where Foster uh, made an amazing yeah, I mean, that save. That half. was in the first half. Yeah. That was a great. It and was then the so sec- second half, um, Tadic Carisho kind of. Both break forward yeah. and unfortunately Tadic's cross wasn't quite hard enough to reach Crucio before. It was cut out by, I can't remember, by which West Bromwich Albion defender. But I think we've seen this season. We play, the team he wants to play obviously requires a big lad up front. Mm. Charlie Austin is when we probably played our yeah. best. This could be a sign of better things to come. Yeah, I, I, th- I think he's a good signing. I think his first touch maybe looks like it's a little bit rusty. Um, but I think he seems to be getting in good position, seems to be trying, seems to be working hard. I mean, he still looks very, very young. Yeah. He's only 24. He's a kid. He? Yeah. Um, we'll see. I mean, he must be He must be good. And, um, you know, Longy had another chance, didn't he? Had a header. Had a header, which I think was harder than it looked. And he got a yeah. bit of stick. It was right in front of the Saints fans. Yeah. Um, and then... Rondon got a header as well. Bring it back to a three. Beautiful. Two. Shouldered this, that into the bottom yeah. corner, into the far corner. Yeah, I suppose header is not necessarily but the right word. It was but again, another again, header. It was, it was defending from across. Um, and but, this time, this time, Hoot was at fault. Yeah, and Hoot, uh, for a big man, isn't actually that good in the air, is he? Either. Um, he he he's not very good uh, in the air. He got done very early in the season uh, against uh, Lukaku. Um, but also, I think we need to give a, a shout out to Chris Brunt because I didn't realise this until I read it. But Chris Brunt has the most assists in the Premier League like over the last like two or three years. He really? Has, yeah, like Chris Brunt. I'm trying to find it now. Desperately, you know, slowing up the podcast to try and find it. But what's saying kind of like more than he has has um, more than it's thirty assists. No player in the Premier League has got more than thirty more. More than him uh, from um, set of dead dead ball places. <laughs> Sorry, it was a weird video. It just came on my laptop. Uh, no, no players set up more goals from dead balls in the Premier League than Chris Brunt. It's, th- it's amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we should have been prepared for that, but there we go. Um, so, I mean, Saints played so well. Um, well, I, I mean, I say that we played very well for a very short period of time in the first half, where we got two goals. Um, and you know, looked pretty good running into half time. We played very well at the start of the second half. I think it was it was fairly even in the second half, actually, between the two sides. Yeah. I think we probably had slightly better chances. Anyway, say so, I mean, interestingly, two Saints players made it into Garth Brooks' team of the week. Now, 
Yeah. I don't think Garth ever watches Southampton because I can't ever recall him ever putting a Saints player in um, in previous uh, he, weeks. He's one of a class of like beautifully prehistoric people that the BBC employ probably on a very decent wage, like Mark Lawrenson, who only seem to have any interest in the one club that they're notable for playing for. I mean, I do find, <laughs> I find Garth Brooks more funny than... Garth Brooks? What am I calling him? You called him Garth Brooks. Garth, Garth, Garth. Garth Brooks is not funny. He's a multi-platinum winning artist. He married Julia Roberts. He's managed yeah. to be taken seriously. Garth Crooks. Um, team of the week. So he had Jack Stevens in the team of the week. So fair enough. He scored a great goal. But <laughs> considering he was in there as the central defender and not as a forward, I think... And he was definitely at fault for one goal of the opposition. Exactly. <laughs> Against the bottom of the table And side. you could argue that a cross into the six-yard box or like eight-yard box for uh, the second goal is possibly in his purview as well. Yeah. It's a little bit weird. So, I mean, you know, fair play. So you've got Jack Stevens in. He has scored three goals in three games, which is fantastic. Scored in every goal since he turned 24. Let's hope he keeps that if record If he continues up. like this, he's going to score literally every week. Yeah, um... But yeah, I don't think I would have had him necessarily in the best two central defenders in the Premier League this weekend. And then Garth Brooks yeah, goes on to describe blah, blah, blah. You know, clearly what he's seen of Jack Stevens without actually having seen him play football. And then says, you know, Saints should hold on to him, not be a selling club. Um, and, get and the and, comments and that, that we'd though, been, so weird. Well, he said that we'd been um, flirting with relegation. Yeah, I mean, let's get him here because Garth and Garth, if you are listening, and we hope you are, we'd love you to come on. Um, so this, I'll do the Jack Stevens bit. Okay. Saints, however, on the back of a fabulous 3-2 win, must decide whether they're a feeder club for the top four sides or going to try and win something themselves. An FA Cup triumph, perhaps, or even a period of Europe will provide stability. They've, they've certainly provided the players over the years to do both. What they are doing, what they've done far too long, is flirting with relegation. If you flirt with relegation, the inevitable always happens. Say, so, I mean, let, let's, let's break this down. Say, so, an FA Cup triumph. Say, so a Cup triumph. I mean, we got to the cup final last season. Last season. One of only two cup finals. Yeah. Um, and we didn't win it. So that, that was unfortunate. But yeah, gave it a good go. Um, probably should have, could have got more in the final than we did. Um, or perhaps even a period in Europe. So, I mean, I don't know if you can think of perhaps, you know, maybe a season or two in the last two seasons where we kind of qualified for Europa League. Who's that Inter Milan team we beat at home? Where are they from? Um, what's that? Hey. That continent that's next door to us. And I went to the San Siro and I'm pretty sure that's not in the UK. Yeah. Where where was it? Italy, maybe. Yeah. In Europe. Yeah. Oh, sure right. So, yeah, yeah. So, Thanks, okay. Garth. And then I think the season before, okay, we didn't qualify for the Europa League, but we, you know, we did qualify for Europe and then get knocked out in the qualifying rounds. FC Europa League. So, you know, that was two seasons in, in the Europe. In the mixer. Um, which, you know, perhaps would provide some stability. Um, well, that hasn't. We had a cup odd. final in Europe last season. Yeah. And then, you know, certainly produced players over the years to do both, blah, 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 is flirting with relegation. When you flirt with relegation, the inevitable always happens. So what, a, that's what, what part of 8th, 6th, 7th and 8th is flirting with relegation, Garth? And we've been in the bottom three for like two weeks or something. Yeah. He's, and also... If you, the inevitable doesn't always happen because some teams always flirt relegation and don't get relegated because only three teams can get relegated. So it's, it's a nonsense. Anyway, um, then he goes on. He also puts Mario Lamina into um, his team. And this, one <laughs> this, is, is, this, this is good. This is really bizarre. This You've is not seen this, This is guys. proper comedy gold. Um, so, Mar of Mario Lamina. This lad is playing in the wrong team. Seriously. Mario Lamina is an Arsenal player, if ever I have seen one. For far too long, in my opinion, Arsene Wenger has faffed around with the likes of Mohamed Elney and Francis Coquelin. Wenger should have invested in Lamina during the summer and got in there well before Southampton did. Lamina is wasted at St. Mary's. Sorry, Southampton fans, but you just do not have the class of player to bring the best out of this lad. His performance against West Brom was immense. Admittedly, we've not seen enough performances like this, but you would if you put him in a proper outfit. Oh, <laughs> so I would like to ask Garth some questions. <laughs> Garth, um, have you ever watched Southampton Football Club before this game, which you had to watch because you played with and you're friends with Sil Regis, rest in peace? Yeah. Um, why? So, how do clubs like Southampton ever expect to improve? Or should there just be a sort of oligopoly of Man City, Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool, 
and Spurs that are only allowed good players and everyone else should kind of know their place. Yeah. Um, it's totally nuts. And also, don't pretend that you'd ever heard of Lamina before this game. <laughs> like like you like were saying to Arsenal last season, you know, there's a guy playing for Juventus. He doesn't play every week, but you should get him. You'd never heard of him. Oh, it's, it's, he's paid. He's also paid basically by the taxpayer, which makes it even worse. Um, look, I mean, Garth Crooks, it's, he, I've never really read anything from him and thought he's hit the nail on the head. There, he's like Lawrenson, isn't he? He's just yeah. Does, ugh. Um, Mark Lawrenson, who we were chatting about just before we started recording, <laughs> last season predicted Liverpool to win like every single game. Yeah, they were unbeaten. Yeah. Liverpool, according to Mark, they never lose. Um, anyway, so, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed beating uh, West Branch Albion. Out of the relegation zone, okay, so, I mean, I think, what is it, from 10th uh, down to second bottom is separated by three or four points at the moment. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's seriously, seriously close down there. Every game really, really counts until, you know, we, we can pull away um, from it, if we can pull away from from the mess. Um, one thing which I, I do think is quite interesting. So do you remember we spoke about XG earlier in the season? Oh, I, I was thinking about it yesterday. I have no idea how it works. So XG, expected goal. So it rates the value of the chances. So essentially, if you have um, an open goal in the six-yard box with no pressure, no one around you, that is like an XG of one. If you're shooting from the halfway line and the keeper's on his line, that's an XG of zero. And you have everything between naught and one. But how do they do? All right, how do they do XG for a game that's coming up, or is just XG just a general stat that follows no, you X, along? XG is kind of like it's in kind of uh, as an alternative or as, or as an addition to shots, shots on target, and XG. Oh, hang on. So, 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 kind of so like, is XG? No, but hang on. I see XG before the game. No, no, no. XG is after the so game. So they only do XG after the game. Yeah. XG is based on, say, if you've had 10 shots... And they're all from the halfway line. all from the halfway line, then your XG will be low. And then if you've had, like, 10 shots, eight of them were on target, you know, six of them were inside the box, you know, one-on-ones with the keeper were really good chances, then you'd have a high high number of XG. So if you're a profligate team, like, let's be honest, Saints probably are. um, You'd expect a high XG, but not many goals. But then we don't also get many great chances, I would say. You know, we don't ping the offside trap too often, so I don't know what that means for us. So, so, I mean, this this is the thing which I found quite interesting. So 3-2, and it felt like we had a lot of chances. You know, Shane Long had that chance as well, which he didn't score. Um, Tadic had a good chance where he tried to dink it over the keeper. Um, Carrillo had a good chance when the cross came out. Very unlucky. So, I mean, and then we scored three goals. As well. So you'd expect the XG to be quite high. You'd maybe expect what Saints should have scored three goals in that game or two yeah. goals or four goals or whatever. So something quite high. The XG for this was 0.9. Is that because the difficulty of the goals though? Because if you yeah, think... Yeah, it like, is. It is. Is that what it is? Because so, like Lamina's goal is a wonder strike. Yeah. And um, Stephen's goal is actually quite unusual cause he, unusual because he's actually running away from the goal. Mm. Uh, and then obviously a free kick is from that range is probably actually harder, isn't it? Because it's yeah. hard, you can't get it up and over, so you're yeah. limited. So, so is that... So, so exactly, yeah, you, oh. you, you've totally hit the nail on the head. So that's why Saints were expo- expecting to have only scored 0.9 of a goal, so let's say one goal, from the chances that we created in that game. Same with West Bromwich Albion. So the, it, okay. it should, should really have been one all. So it's 0.9 versus 0.92. We'll call that one all. Interesting, the game against Brighton, where I felt like we had hardly any chances at all, we had a higher XG of 1.27 which suggests that we should have had, you know, nearly one and a half goals. Which would have won it for us, one and a half to one. Yeah, I mean, that that would have been fine. (laughs) Again, another another one-one. So, I mean, this is the thing, and it kind of goes back to Jason's email earlier, you know, about Saints. Have we been, you know, profligate? Have we just been wasting good chances? Um, Is there something more to Saints under Pellegrino that we just haven't seen because, you know, Shane Long has not been banging banging the balls in the back of the net? It's not just Shane Long, is it? I was no. I was thinking about this on Saturday, and uh, Saturday kind of flatters us a little bit. Obviously, James Hall Prowse, that's now three Premier League goals for the season, four goals in total. Mm. Um, Jack Stevens, Jack three Stevens goals has in a row. three goals. So Jack Stevens has two goals in the Premier League. So he has double that of Shane yeah. Long. He has the same as Buffal. Mm-hmm. Um He has 
infinity more than Redmond. Um, he has only what one less than Gabbiadini. Has yeah. Gabbiadini scored three? Yeah, perhaps. Um, that's pretty dire. Yeah, and 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 so this so this is the interesting thing. So I was looking at the XGs and I was going, well, actually, that shows that maybe Saints, you know, haven't been particularly good. And then I found this website, right? <laughs> this is where XG comes from. So these are the statos behind it that are rating the value of every chance. And they've got a league table based on the XG. So if your team scores all of the chances that they should score on average, um, so Manchester City are top of the table. They're lethal. I mean, that's not unsurprising. Uh, then you've got Tottenham, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, Man United. So the top six are the top six. I've had the highest number of expected goals. Then next is Crystal Palace. So how does that mean Crystal Palace are the most efficient at scoring goals? No. So so this is this is the XG table. So this table. is the ones they're missing. Yeah. So Crystal Palace, who are actually 14th in the real league table, yep. um, are 7th. And they would have nearly 40 points at this point, which is 13 points more. Um, than they've actually got. So this is kind of what happened you know, at the start of the season when they mm. weren't playing too badly but just kept on losing and didn't score any goals. Which, yeah, they were terrible. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, Southampton are ninth in this we, table. God, we'd take that, wouldn't we, now? Yeah. So, I mean, Saints should be a lot better off. So basically what this suggests is that if our strikers were converting the chances that they should do, we would be in the top half of the table, we'd be ninth in the division. So it'd be us, uh, Leicester and Palace who'd be filling up the places just behind the top six. But you'd hope, we, I think we're coming into a time of a settled team as well, which I think is going to help. Mm. So you'd think now he's got his forward that he wanted, he's got the bloke he wanted before. You know, it's clear that Redmond is on the way yeah. out. Uh, you know, it kind of has, a, you can't drop uh, James Paul Prowse. Yeah. McCarthy's making that number one. McCarthy, who, by the way, was also that great save against yeah. a free kick. That was against Chris Bunt. Uh, yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe a, a new dawn beckons. Yeah. I just, I'm going to just mention one more thing on XG. Go on. <laughs> Burnley is second bottom in the XG table. So, what does that mean? Does that mean Burnley are profligate? It, it means that Burnley convert more chances than you would expect them to. So, they're but how, so that puts them bottom of the table. Surely that's good. You know, it's it's good. In real life, they're seventh in the real Premier yeah, League. Which is nuts, by the way. Um, but in, in the XG League, so from the chances <laughs> that they've actually so crossed, sorry. <laughs> I, uh, right, I'll give up on XG now. Basically, um, Jason, you might have a point because really Southampton should be doing better from the chances that they've created. That, I mean, are that's we, essentially all, the point that I was trying to make. We all know that. I don't need XG to tell me that. Um, so the transfer window is closed. Um, you know, I think we've already talked about uh, Guido Carisio. We talked about him on the last podcast. We thought he would give Saints an extra option going forward. Big man up front, you know, someone to focus crosses to. James will prowse good crossing. Guido Carisio good at um, heading. Did we have a good transfer window? Um, well, I don't think so. Mm. I mean, certainly not from a fan's point of view because you lose... I mean... Apparently, so the only defender that you have in your squad that can do a defensive header. Um, that was bad. I mean, so, so, so that, I mean, that is a problem. I mean, he's not exactly set the world on fire since he's been at Liverpool. He was good on, he was good on Sunday. I mean, he was good on Sunday, but I mean, he, get, he gave away a penalty. What's good is that he's good, but they're still conceding goals, yeah. which I like. Um, I mean, it is quite funny. There's there's definitely a lot of schadenfreude being enjoyed by Saints fans at the moment, I think, with uh, Virgil van Dijk's mistakes that he's making. Yeah, and that game on Sunday, we don't often talk about other clubs, but a lot to like. If you're a Saints fan, Ali getting booked for diving, brilliant. Van yeah. Dijk giving a penalty, Klopp looking like a knob. There's a lot yeah. to like there. I actually quite enjoyed Victor Wanyama's one yeah, amazing and that was great shot well. that he takes Cause, per season. Because I don't mind Victor Wanyama. He, yeah. It's fair enough him leaving. And, and, and getting a, against Liverpool, you know, yeah, as well. it's a thunder strike. Um, so, uh, I mean, obviously we missed out on Quincy Promes and Theo Walcott, both quite similar players, you know, wingers with a lot of, you know, shooting intent. But I I'm mean, very happy. I've said it before. Totally fine about missing out on Walcott. Yeah. Like he will get injured within the next two or three games and that'll be the last Everton fancy of him this season. Yeah. I mean, we saw Sturridge as well, who's another player that we were allegedly in for at the weekend playing for West Brom. He had one chance, really, I suppose, in the whole game. I, I don't think we've necessarily... We we need players that are going to play every week. 
and that the players can get used to playing with. Like we bring in a show pony like Sturridge. He's probably on 50 grand a week more than anyone else mm. at Saints. He turns up, struts around a bit, pisses off at the end of the season. Yeah. Like, what's the point? It's fine. I kind of think we need players that feel like they've got something to prove. Say, I mean, Lamina is a great point because he was a player that was on the fringes of the Juventus team. Say, so, you know, he, he's somebody who got his, he's got a few chances there, but never really got a proper run in the team. So he, he's the kind of player that Hoyt. Yeah, exactly. He, again, another player that that feels like they've got something to prove. Um, yeah, Quincy Promise. I actually think that will go through in the summer if if we um. From what if, you believe, if we stay in the Premier League. Yeah, for everything you read, it seems to be that it's a done deal. Yeah, um, and they will be leaving Moscow to come to the glory of uh, Southampton. Um, so, before we kind of like start heading towards the end of the podcast, we've got um, next game on Sunday at home to Liverpool. Um, this is like our derby, isn't it? Now, it's, I mean, it kind of is. Isn't it feels it? like a derby. Yeah. Feels like you're you're hyped for it. Yeah, I really hope the Saints players are um, hyped for it, and I hope it's not just all the ex-Saints players that are totally hyped for it. I'm quite scared of Mo Salah. <laughs> I'm yeah. scared of what he's yeah, going to do. Mo Salah is incredible, isn't he? He's he's got to be the sign of the season. Ridiculous footballer. Um, I mean, I think I've had him captain as my uh, fancy team for about the last four months now. Very shrewd, John. Very shrewd. Um, having said that, he's still not picking up for the rest of the awful players that I've got on my fancy team. Um, home to Liverpool, we've got the return of Virgil van Dijk. What sort of reception is he going to get? Well, Frosty. Yeah, I don't think we even need to answer that question. No, but what the, but what Saints need to do, and uh, it's my two penneth, they, it's not about him. It's not about him. It's about the team we put out. It's about Day and Lovren. It's about to <laughs> focus on Lovren. No, also Lovren's the one that you can niggle and make, make yeah. a mistake. So, um, but like we got to. I mean, it's going to get quite tiring booing all of the ex Saints. Yeah. Players, well, where do you? Because I was thinking about it the other day. So they've got Klein. Well, Klein, Klein's play. not getting in the team anymore, is no, he? No. Um, various alleged things. Uh, Klein, uh, Lalana. Lalana is, is he still injured. Uh, you've got yeah. Virgil van Dijk and you've got Dan Lovren. Lovren. Probably both be playing. Yeah, is that it? Isn't there another one? Mm, mm, not sure. Maybe Sadio Mane. Well, there was, yeah, Sadio Mane. Of course, yeah. yeah. We, we definitely won't forget that come the end of yeah. Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I, we're saying seems to be really careful because Sky, the game's on Sky. Uh, they're going to hype it beyond all belief. You know, Van Dyke, Liverpool. Um, Liverpool could be either massively pumped after the Spurs game or be incredibly deflated. Mm. Um, both teams will have had a week of rest. So I think it could be really good. And I think if Saints set about Liverpool with Lamina and Romeo, and if we can get Creo pinpointing Lovren rather than being stuck with Van Dyke, uh, if we can do a Glenn Murray yeah. on, on him, then then how hey, I'm the world's biggest optimist. <laughs> so if, what are we going to go for a prediction here, Tom? Yeah, we'll lose, so, lose 2-0. <laughs> no, I think since Van Dyke has left Southampton's joined Liverpool, Liverpool have... N- not won a Premier League game that he's played in. Well, they beat Man City, but he wasn't in that game. He wasn't. He, yeah. Um, and since he's left, I don't think Saints have lost a game. No. You wonder about the disruptive influence, don't you? A player yeah. like that has on the squad. Um, but why not? On a you know, on any day in the Premier League, anyone can beat anyone. Yeah. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. And I think I will be until the third Liverpool goal goes in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not too hopeful. I think this could be the end of our six-game unbeaten run, which is quite amazing to think we were on a six-game unbeaten run. You know, three wins, three draws. I may see two of them in the FA Cup. I still love the FA Cup. I'm really pleased that we've got um, a win in the league now as well. Um, uh, and the weird thing is, is that, you know, six-game unbeaten run still doesn't feel quite good enough. Does it? I think well, I think Pellegrino's still got more to prove. He has, and if you look at where we would be, um, but by the way, on that Liverpool game, just on the Wednesday night afterwards, they do have Porto away in the Champions League, so they might be tempted to rest some players. Mm. Um, by resting, that means they'll just put them on the bench and they'll come on and score against us after that. But um, yeah, I I don't know if if we'd have, I mean just looking at the league now, where are we? Twenty six points. If we'd have taken two extra points from Watford, which we definitely should have done. We would be sitting pretty in 11th. We'd still um, only be four points off the relegation zone. And and I think, you know, this is what did, yeah. for, did for Puel yesterday. It's like whilst 
We can all say he finished eighth and got to a cup final. He finished eighth, you know, and that was what six points above the relegation zone, something like that. Yeah, yeah. it it wasn't that that far off. Um, so, I mean, really, we we want to see us get a few more wins, but it's not so much um, the game at Liverpool. It's going to be the run of fixtures um, it's after. All Liverpool. about March, isn't it for us? Yeah. For well, also it's it's March, um, and then we have kind of this weird run of games. Burnley away where mm. we shouldn't get anything from but Burnley haven't been great shakes and then it's all about March for Saints yeah. Saint March is 12 points um, so the other thing as well that we're going to do before me and you meet up for a chat again Tom is, is we're going to have the away trip it's West Bromwich Albion in the FA Cup fifth round do you think we'll beat them again at, at the Hawthorns you have to think we will um, because as an optimist I think that we are you know, apart from the Liverpool game, and let's face it, if we beat Liverpool, it's a massive if. If we do, the confidence is going to go through yeah. the roof. Um, you got to think West Brom don't have the squad that we've got. They've got a lot of injuries. Um, even their two forwards who are very good, Rodriguez and Sturridge, are very, very injury mm. prone. They're not going to want to put, you know, they know they're not going to win the FA Cup. They're not going to want to put. Well, I mean, they might out. be looking at the fifth round history and thinking, well, if we beat Southampton it's, it's inevitable yeah. <laughs> we cannot not win yeah, yeah so I, I think that hopefully we can I mean, get through what's that is that then the quarterfinals quarterfinals that would be anything happens right anyway so I think that's probably enough for us I hope you've enjoyed our first birthday episode thank you very much for listening as a great birthday present for me and Tom would be for you to get onto iTunes leave us a review but most importantly share the Saints FC podcast with all of your Saints supporting friends and family I don't even care if your granddad doesn't know what a podcast is you can get his phone you can download a podcasting app you can subscribe him to the saints fc podcast and get him on to listening to it um you know we, we've got the the episode with paul jones coming up next week as well so do keep your eyes peeled for that um so i so, said you know i suppose that's it really you know keep on listening to the saints fc podcast keep on telling your mates about it keep on tweeting us at saints fc podcast keep on emailing us saints fc podcast at gmail.com and we will speak to you soon good night everyone cheerio